Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Potted Together podcast. My name is Adam, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Becca and Nicole. And we just wanted to take a little bit of time at the beginning here to check in and see how everyone is doing. So, Nicole, how's your week been? Oh, man. Where do I begin? We are in Arizona this week with my family. We brought the kids to visit my mom and my stepdad, and we actually drove down here from Chicago. (laughs) And it's been... How many days was that? It was four days, three nights. So we left on... Oh, my gosh. I know. That is such a long drive. I know. That's dedication. With three kids especially, you know. But we planned it out. We we didn't just drive and wing it. We planned out the hotels we were going to stay at. We planned out things along the way. So we, like, stopped at certain spots along the way to the hotels each day. And it kind of broke up the trip and made it better. So I wasn't driving longer than, like, seven hours a day. But it's still over a day worth of driving. So I was exhausted. We left on a Monday, no, Tuesday, and we got here on Friday. And we actually just missed a huge derecho. Is that what you, is that how you say it? What is that? What is it? What is that? It's like a very big windstorm, like a straight line winds, almost like tornado damage. Yeah. So it's tornado strength, but it's a straight line of storms that come through. I mean, it could wipe out a whole state. And that's pretty much what it did. It wiped out the entire state of Iowa. They were out of power on Tuesday when we were driving through. We stopped at the American Pickers um, place in LeClaire, Iowa, and they were completely out of power. And they said that a good chunk of Illinois, like Southern Illinois was out of power and like for five days without power. It wiped out so many crops in Iowa that like, it was really bad. So we had just missed that storm. Thank God, because we would have drove right through it. But, but yeah, so we're in Arizona and we're, we're hanging out. We're going to leave on Saturday morning and it is Thursday now. So we have a few days left and I've just been living in the pool (laughs) with my kids. So when you do road trips, who does the most driving? Is it you? I do, yeah. Jay didn't drive at all. Yeah. I'm a horrible... Really? I'm a horrible passenger. Like... Same. I'm I'm bad. I love to drive. Well, we took a couple road trips, Adam, but they were like mini and it's... Well, mainly because it was your car, but like that was fine. But driving across the country... Oh, I watched your hand creep up to the handlebar every (laughs) once in a while. Oh, Nicole, you do that? Well, mainly... I think I was worse at night when we were driving back because I don't like to drive at night, which is another reason why we planned the day so that I'd only be driving during the day because even when I'm a passenger in the car, like I'm ter- I have a phobia of deer just jumping in front of my car. So I was quite terrified when we drove back from Tucson, Becca, <laughs> a couple of times, I was afraid. But you're a good driver, Adam. So. I mean, Jay's a good driver, too. But you know what I mean? I'm just a better driver than passenger. Yeah, it's a control thing for me, too. Like, I I don't know. I don't love just, like, not having control 
It's probably why I don't enjoy flying either. Yeah. I, like, hate driving. I'm definitely someone who will just, like, chill out in the passenger seat. I will stay awake with you. I will be the best passenger ever, but I hate driving. I mean, that's a reason... That's one of the one of the main reasons why we didn't fly was just because of the pandemic still being very like present and we were just worried about traveling with our kids. Um so but I will never take this trip again. <laughs> Mark my <laughs> words, I will never do it again. But Adam, how was how was your week? Did you just got back from a road trip? Yeah, I for the first time since moving to Phoenix, uh decided to drive all the way back home to Nebraska. And uh, like you, I will never do that again. I mean, it was a gorgeous drive. I enjoyed it. But uh, I don't know. Maybe after some time, maybe it's kind of like, you know, women who give birth and they're like, I'm never having a baby. And then like a year later, they're like, OK, I'm ready. Like maybe I'll forget the trauma of the trip. But I don't know. It was it was a long trek, especially, you know, alone. But yeah. it was a good it was a good time to like. I don't know, think through uh, some stuff. Like, my driving time is definitely my think time. And going home is always kind of weird for me because home, you kind of fall back into, like, that person you were. You know, I've grown so much since I left high school and even college, but when you go back to your hometown, you kind of almost fall back into those same, like, feelings and anxieties. So I struggled with that a little bit, and... Yeah, it, w- it helped me driving home to just kind of think that through and process that. But I don't know if anyone else experiences that. But, you know, I haven't lived at home since I was 21. I've lived, you know, eight plus hours away from my parents since I graduated college. So it's it's weird because I've grown into a different person. But, you know, they don't know that because mm-hmm. they're not around. So it's kind of it's a little awkward, but it was a good trip. I saw my good friends from college, which was very nice, and hung out with them and their families. So it was good. Nice. Mm. That sounds like a sweet time. Becca, how was your week? My week has been really good. It's been a just a casual week. I've gotten on, listen, I've gotten on a better like sleep and wake schedule. I've mm. never really been one for a schedule. These two know that I stay up so late and sleep so late as well. And I think I even talked about that in our last episode. But since then, I have noticed like the toll that takes on your mental health, just sleeping not being a big priority. So that is something that I really did this week. And also with that, I was able to like prioritize my work and like get that on a good schedule. So I wake up two hours earlier and work for two hours on like daily plans and stuff. And then for the rest of the day, I work my day job. So that's been like the best thing this week. And then also Daniel, my husband, came back. He was away for work for a few weeks. So he's back now, which has been really sweet to have him back. And we're just back to what we normally do, which is watch movies together and chill out. So it's it's been nice having him back. But I don't know. Having to share a bed again is not fun. (laughs) (laughs) You can't do the sprawl out. I know. And Leo and I just like took up our entire king bed and just like loved it. And then Daniel came back and I was like, oh, so now Leo's back to sleeping on my legs is what I'm gathering from this. (laughs) We have a queen bed and Jay's been wanting to get a king and like, but we don't really like sprawl out or like roll around the bed. Like when we like we stay in our little in our little spot. So I'm like, we don't need a king, but he really wants one. Are you guys like cuddlers? Not at all. <laughs> Hell no. I need like 
I need a clear divide in the middle of the bed. Oh like my God. we're out, we're in Arizona now. And I grabbed an extra comforter out of the closet. Cause I'm like, we, we can have, cause we don't have that many blankets at home, but my mom has a ton. And I was like, we can, we can actually have our own comforters. This is fabulous. I'm going to go home and buy an extra comforter. Yeah. See, the reason I like the king bed is because I can like roll over and have like a cool spot, you know, like there's our, there's an empty spot and I live for that. Like where you flip your pillow over and it's nice and cold. Oh, that's the best. That's, that's really great. I would say, Nicole, if you do get a king bed, get a California king because king beds are squares. And I did not realize that. Oh. And Daniel already had this bed prior to me coming along, but it was like a perfect square and California king beds are just longer. So they're narrower, but longer, which I feel like is extra helpful for tall people. I'm not particularly tall, but it's my feet do hang off if I have like a lot of pillows on the bed. Okay. Duly noted. <laughs> okay, yeah. so should we should we get started? Yeah, let's get started. <laughs> our topic for today. Okay, so we've actually been, you know, asking on our Instagram, potted together, you guys, you know, what what episodes you wanted to see from us, and we've compiled like a pretty robust list. And this podcast is going to be so amazing, <laughs> just based off of the episodes that people are requesting. I mean, you guys have such good ideas. So we actually. I guess we would always be willing to accept suggestions for episode ideas. So if you ever wanted to suggest an idea, we have a post on our Instagram that says let's chat. And that is basically where you can add in your episode ideas for us. And you could even add on to other people's ideas to like be more in depth. But anyway, something that we came up with an idea that we thought of before we even started this was the concept of plant blindness. And it sort of came up when we were talking about our experience with plants before we became plant people. And we all experienced plant blindness in different ways. And something that we are realizing just after looking a little bit deeper into plant blindness is plant blindness is actually like a real term that was coined by um, a botanist. And so with that being said, I've been talking for a little bit. So I want you guys to talk about your experience with plant blindness and then I'll get more into like the sciencey part of what this is and how it affects our environment and the world around us. So my the one experience in my that sticks out in my head about plant blindness is when I was living in Illinois, I visited the Garfield Park Conservatory a couple times. It's a beautiful place. It's uh, full of plants and nature, waterfalls, water lilies. I mean, it's just stunning. And I appreciated it. But until I started collecting plants, until I started to recognize plants and study my own, I guess not really like fully study in school, but like my own kind of studies through Google, etc. I started learning more and more about plants. And then I went back to the conservatory and was just like, in awe like I was pointing out plants and calling out their names and the people I were with were like okay give it a break like calm down but (laughs) like it was it was kind of to me it was like whoa like I appreciated this before but now that I've like taken time and like figured out what these plants are and and named them and remembered the names and saw their growth patterns and then saw them in a space where they were kind of given their natural habitat to grow I was just fully like my eyes were open. It was so, it was so amazing. Yeah. Well, 
on that topic of the Garfield Park Conservatory, like, because I live in Illinois, and being a photographer, I have a lot of engagement sessions there, and I can completely relate because I never paid attention like obviously I'm setting up a shot to take of the couple but I never really paid attention to the plans so I'm happy that you brought that up because that's definitely another one for me and I recently took my family there for the first time and I could have stayed there all day like I wanted to really take my time in each exhibit because they're different exhibits different climates and they were just like okay can we go and I was like oh my gosh I'm coming back here by myself forget it yeah that aeroid house there woof it's so nice it's incredible is that close to where you live Nicole yeah it's about 15 minutes from me you're kidding oh yeah when you visit Chicago we're going there for sure absolutely yeah I so Tucson doesn't have a botanical gardens like that probably because it would be very difficult but I'm trying to think like we have Biosphere 2, which has a pretty big like indoor rainforest. And I would love to visit there again now being plant aware. Mm-hmm. But what I visited there a couple years ago even and I did not even recognize what what was in front of me. But they simulated a real tropical rainforest with like an aeroid section and like a bamboo section and all of these things. I was looking back at photos a couple years ago. After that, once I was aware of plants and I was like, oh, my gosh, there's so many like pothos, like huge pothos just like climbing up, like bigger than monstera leaves that we see in our homes, like huge. So it's just I don't know. We I will. I'm really excited to live in Missouri because St. Louis Conservatory apparently is like incredible. I've heard a lot about it. They're yes. in a lot of research and aeroids. So I am literally so excited to get out there and see that but okay go ahead continue to call so i i want to say my biggest realization with having plant blindness has to be with movies and like tv in general because i'll see a plant in a movie i'm a huge movie buff so i love to watch movies i could watch movies all day and if i see a plant which is rare by the way there's not a lot i'm, I'm noticing there's not a lot of plants in movies too Um, which I guess is another form of plant blindness, you know, noticing that there's not enough. But if I see one, I'm constantly calling out the plant name and people are just like, okay, can we just watch the movie? (laughs) Like, we get it. You like plants. (laughs) Um, But that's definitely my thing. Or like commercials or just watching other people, other other, um, YouTubers on YouTube that may not be in the plant community have plants. Like in the makeup community, I'm like, oh, okay. You're a plant person. Yay. <laughs> um, that's definitely something that I've noticed over the past couple of years. That's really funny because uh, the the one TV show that sticks out to me is Golden Girls. I used to watch that all the time with my mom growing up. And now when I go back and watch episodes, like they have a huge monstera in their living room. Like it's a beautiful mm-hmm. monstera. And I didn't think about that when I was younger. But now I'm just like, oh, my gosh, look at that monstera. And look at that bird of paradise. <laughs> Yep, yep. I know it's crazy what you what you miss when you're, you know, when you're not focusing on it. But then also you see TV shows like Queer Eye where they're redecorating people's houses and they're sticking a fiddle leaf fig in a corner that definitely will not be good for that plant. And you're just like, ah, please don't do that. <laughs> I know. Wait, is his name Bobby? Is that the interior designer Bobby? Yeah, Bobby. I feel like he's talked about the plant placement thing before. 
I don't know. Maybe he was called out. I don't remember. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, he's just not setting them up for success. Like, I I see a fiddly fig in a dark corner. I'm like, oh, no, that's going to be dropping leaves left and right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I saw a YouTuber that I followed do that, and I did not want to be a yacht, but I was like, I never do this. (laughs) But I commented, and I was like, I don't think that fiddly fig's going to be happy there. And it looks like it's doing okay, so I didn't need to say that. Like, I feel so bad that I... I feel so bad that I said that, but... You were just looking out. (laughs) Um, I guess for me with plant blindness, it has a lot to do with thinking that I grew up in a super ugly place and just like being completely unaware of the flora around me because I thought that nature could only be beautiful if it was big lush trees and flowers and all of these things, which is not true. So growing up in a very like arid desert environment, it was... I don't know. I never thought that where I lived was beautiful. So as I've grown up and, and I talked about this in the last episode too, I feel like I'm repeating myself, but as I've grown up and started to understand more of my environment, I see it as like so lush, like Tucson is such a lush desert and I'm going to miss living here because of that. It's so unique, but that is a big part of my plant blindness. And yeah, That's all I have to say. Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Yeah, the desert for me was hard because I I was maybe, I should just say I was like cacti and succulent blind, even in my plant yeah. journey. Like I, the, I didn't appreciate them as much. And moving to Arizona, it's kind of like, oh my gosh, look how big and beautiful like these, these plants are. And then they're just so sturdy because they've adapted to live in like this really awful climate. <laughs> <laughs> hey. It's perfectly formulated for them. But actually, yeah, that's a good question. So, like, how did you feel? Because you were coming from Illinois and then you moved to Phoenix, which is Phoenix. If you're not familiar with the Arizona area, like Phoenix is a huge heat island, like concrete jungle in the West, basically, like similar to L.A., I, I dare say. And Tucson is a little bit less concrete jungle but it's getting there and Flagstaff is not at all. Flagstaff is still very naturey. So those are like the three major sections of Arizona and Adams in Phoenix. So what was your experience like going from Illinois to a place like Phoenix like very very deserty but also very concrete jungle heat island? Yeah, it was it's definitely been an adjustment, you know, for a good long while and even still today like I still kind of feel like I'm on a vacation. Like I see palm trees and I'm like, ooh, I'm on vacation. Um, but it is hard because it's like a beige wonderland. Like everything is beige. All like the landscape, people who, like most people don't have grass, which I appreciate because the upkeep of grass is, is not, you know, easy. But all of the zeroscape, 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 Zeroscape. It's all just like beige, <laughs> colors of beige rock. The houses are all colors of colors of beige. But, you know, kind of you touched on that. I think any couple hour drive, like east, west, north, or south, you get so many different 
environments. Like driving up to Flagstaff, you have you're in the mountains and the evergreens, and you see the snow, um, and kind of the mm-hmm. same way driving down towards Tucson, you know. So and everything is just so is kind of close. So that's been nice to experience like different areas, Sedona, you know, they're all just very near and very beautiful. Yeah. Would you say that you find comfort in those places because it reminds you of home? Like with the trees and stuff? Like what was it like going from like like a completely different vegetation? Did that affect you at all? Um, You know, from just going back home recently and just like being in awe of the green, I would say yes. Like I don't, I guess I didn't know that it affected me until I like went back home and saw the grass and the trees and was like, oh my gosh, everything's so green and all the crops. Um, but I don't know if it affected me in like a negative way. It's just, it's different and it's a new experience. Yeah, definitely. Well, very interesting. I think, I think every Every plant person has a story like this. We went to the botanical gardens in Tucson to see the Burley Marks exhibit. And while we were there, we went into the Butterfly House, which is a place that I went a lot growing up. And I never thought it was very cool. I thought our botanical gardens was just cactus, which is also cool. But I never thought about the tropical aspect of it. And there was so many beautiful orchids and like beautiful orchid arrangements, beautiful like would you say fauna like the bugs and stuff yeah. like the insects um so many beautiful things in there they had a hoya impricata like a huge one it was so cool that one was <laughs> that one was so amazing it was shingling all over the pot oh it was what a beautiful specimen yeah it's absolutely beautiful did you get your impricata adam before or after that visit after that yeah, I felt like that, like, inspired you to, like, okay, I'm ordering one of these. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's definitely on my wish list. Oh, my goodness. But, okay, so let's talk about, like, what plant blindness actually is, I guess, scientifically and, like, how that affects the world. So I have an article by the BBC up on my computer. And, you know, this isn't something that we've extensively researched or anything like that but um, this phrase plant blindness was coined by Elizabeth Schlusser Schlusser and James Wandersee and they are a pair of U.S. botanists and biology educators and the term is basically the inability to see or notice the plants in one's own environment and the article basically talks about how we as children are so much more likely to notice or point out animals before we would notice or point out plants and it actually has a lot of implications on our conservation, our need to con- conserve the environment as well, because we don't notice it. We don't even, if you don't notice it, you don't see its benefits and how it can help us. So that's pretty much like very, very simplified BBC article about it. There's a lot more to it, but it's definitely a real thing. And I, th- I think that it's best for us as people, for the world around us and the environment that people are aware of plants and do you think it's possible to become aware of plants without owning house plants hmm. like how how would one you know what i mean like how i don't understand a world where you would notice them and not want them in your home or like not care yeah enough to like adopt some like what, what do you guys think yeah i mean that's a good question i don't know i mean possibly by seeing them in other people's houses you could become more aware or if you have a natural love for outdoor gardening, I'm sure it's kind of, you know, innate in you that way. But yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I, I feel like 
if you would have talked to me three years ago, I would have had zero interest in houseplants and I hadn't noticed them really anywhere I went unless it was my mom getting a plant that she'd like tell me about or, you know, a friend of mine gardening in the backyard or something like that. But as far as houseplants go, I was completely plant blind about three years ago. So I don't know. What do you think, Adam? Yeah. I mean, as Becca was reading that, I was thinking like, you know, all of our children's books, like baby books are like, here's all the animals, you know? So like we're from a very young age, like learning animals and, and numbers, et cetera. And I was like, well, what if we had like a plant baby book? Like M is for Monstera. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And then I wonder what that would do. Like if kids would grow up, but I, I kind of agree. Like I don't know of a world where someone would know what plants are and then just not want them. But I guess there are people who know what a cat is and know what a dog is and they just don't want pets, you know? Yeah. I think, well, if I scroll down a little bit further in this article, it talks about how to become less plant blind. And a lot of it is just exposing children to plants at a young age. So maybe that is yeah, I don't know, like creating children's books and promoting children's books with plants in them, which honestly, now that I think of it, I have never, ever heard of plants being personified in books the way that animals are. No. I don't know any book that does that. So if, I mean, by any chance, if you are a children's book author and you have done this, send us a message. We've <laughs> already trademarked the idea. <laughs> we really yeah. did. <laughs> you copied us. No, just kidding. Um <laughs> But that's a really great way, I think, to, as children, like if you're a parent or if you're a teacher, that's a great way to instill the love of plants or just the awareness of plants at a young age. And also plants are connected to different cultures in different ways. So for some cultures, plants are connected based on like religion and um, ritual and for others, it's more of like they're just surrounded by it. So there's like a more of a reverence for nature. So they kind of can't ignore it. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. It's a very interesting concept. I want to read like 8,000 articles on it. But we'll, we'll put a few in the show notes so that you guys can check them out if you're interested too. This makes me wonder what, you know, this whole new generation growing up is going to be like. Because, you know, we all three kind of talked about how we didn't really have... I mean, Becca, you might have had plants when you were younger, but not, like, the amount that you probably have now. I didn't have any plants in my house when I was growing up. I had pets, but not plants. Mm -hmm. And, Nicole, I think you were kind of the same way. Maybe a sporadic plant, but nothing, like, huge. Right, right. So I know that during this pandemic, I've I've seen a big influx of people getting into houseplants because it's very therapeutic. I've talked about that before. It's very therapeutic to me. Um, So... I wonder what this new generation of, of children are going to be like because now they're growing up in houses that are like full of plants, which is so cool to think about. And I wonder how that affects their plant blindness. And I'm, I bet, I don't know, it would be a good thing to study. I mean, not that I would be able to study it, but just to see, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, being a mom, I guess I can touch base on this a little bit because when I had mm-hmm. Mia, I remember there not being many books on plants like I didn't read like you said it was mainly animals ABCs one two threes no real plants in there I'm thinking like the hungry caterpillar stands out in my head I don't know why but maybe there were some Mm -hmm. plants in that book but um you know and then I also had a daycare for quite a few years and I I cannot remember one book that had plants in it that stands out in my head and we read all day 
So, um, but Mia also, my daughter grew up going like back and forth between my house and her father's house and her, her father's mom, her grandma had a ton of plants all the time. I mean, like probably maybe half of what my collection is now. So a decent amount of plants. And she is so plant aware from a, from a very early age. So I feel like mm. while plants should definitely be incorporated into more children's books for like toddlers, having them in your home is probably obviously the most effective way. And I feel like, you know, that's what got her so into plants being 12 years old now that she is, you know? Yeah. I think with... Yeah, with growing up, we did have some houseplants in the house, but I never saw my mom, like, care for them. I don't remember her ever, like, involving me in the process or saying, like, this is a pothos or this is a spider plant. Um, It was more like I just remembered what they looked like. And then when I was older, I was like, oh, yeah, that's what that is. But, yeah, I don't have memories of that. And I think it's really sweet that with your kids, Nicole, you, like, involve them in the process And I feel like that's what it takes to sort of take off the blinders with plants for a young, at a young age, because I mean, we, yeah, like you could grow up around them and have no idea, you know, there's a lot of people who have shared that. And I think it's beautiful that you involve them in the process. And I just think it's great. You're a great plant mom, like for your plants and for your kids. It's beautiful. (laughs) I actually, while you were talking about the whole, like, kids with plants and getting them involved I was thinking about the drive down here and we went through quite a few different climates and I mean we drove through Missouri Iowa a little bit of Texas and it goes from lush green crop filled you know areas to the desert and they pointed it out so quickly they were like oh my gosh you know like it's completely flat (laughs) in Oklahoma Mm -hmm. or whatever and like they pointed out the cornfields and then when we finally got to Arizona and like New Mexico and Arizona they pointed out like the mountains and the tall trees on the mountains and like all the different types of plants and while I was driving I was just listening to music and I really wasn't even paying attention to it until they brought it to my attention you know even having this is outdoor plants but like even having plants myself it's like until I got to the mountains and I saw all that scape I was like, oh, yeah, man, they notice they notice everything, you know? Yeah. That drive really is so it's so beautiful to, like, see the the variations in our landscape in this country. And I kind of think, like, I know there's a lot a group of people that call like the middle of the United States, the flyover states, because they're usually flying over them to go somewhere else. But like those flyover states have so much biodiversity and so much beautiful landscape to witness so it's it's kind of a tragedy that they could be referred to as that because I don't know it's just so cool like especially going from New Mexico and seeing like the mesas and the buttes to Arizona where the rocks kind of turn more red like you can actually like visibly see like the different color changes in Mm -hmm. the area it's just I think it's so cool for sure yeah yeah I think the Midwest is super forgotten about which is kind of damaging because a lot of important things come out of the Midwest. Like a lot of our food is grown in the Midwest and I did not even realize that, but my husband is from Iowa and I visit there and it's just like corn and beans and all these things. It's like massive. Like a lot of the corn and beans that we eat is from those places, which yeah, they're definitely forgotten about. Um, But I was thinking about this just now when 
when you're chatting like outdoor versus indoor plant blindness and it's like it's obviously a really beautiful thing that we can recognize aeroids and understand like their significance to environments that are very very far away from us because those plants don't grow natively here at least in the places where we live Um, but it's super important as well to be plant aware to the plants in our environment that are native and making sure that we're contributing to our native environments and planting native trees bringing in pollinators like doing that kind of stuff is so important and a lot of that anyone could do if you have a house you know if you live somewhere which you probably do plant a native tree or bring in some native um, plants for your front porch or whatever even if you live in an apartment like there's so many things which is something that I've never thought about really never ever thought about how important it is to like replenish those environments as well because they're slowly going away with more developments especially in Arizona I feel like Arizona is being developed really fast I mean every time I Um, visit out here my parents live in Queen Creek and it is just complete it's it's a developing town like every time I come here there's a new store there's a new complex of you know houses going up and it's it's pretty insane it's going to become I feel like it's just going to kind of merge eventually with Phoenix that's how much they're building out here and it's um it is important to keep those native plants growing around our houses and in our communities kind of talking about seeing plants in their native environments um back when I visited the Garfield Park Conservatory and saw the plants when I became plant aware and saw them you know, the conservatories mimic natural environments, which is amazing. Uh, but I saw a Calathea ornata, you know, the pinstripe, the pink yeah. one. As I think that's mm-hmm. a Calathea ornata. I saw one at the Garfield Park Conservatory, and I had a moment. I had a moment with this plant because I was, like, looking at how tall and big it was. And I thought to myself, like, I have a little version of you sitting on my shelf, which, you know, that was back when I was, you know, not Calathea scorned. <laughs> Like, I still, they're still beautiful, but I just can't have one. But uh, I, I thought about the little one I had sitting at the shelf, and I was like, oh, I've taken this plant, and now I have it in my house. But this is what this plant could be in its environment. So it's like I had this whole, like, thought of us, like, kind of, I think house plants are wonderful, obviously. And I'm not saying you shouldn't own a house plant, but I had this thought of, like, seeing, I was, like, kind of constraining this plant to, like, my environment and not letting it live its most potential because its most potential would be in its native environment, obviously, where I could appreciate it that in that conservatory. And, like, seeing the differences in, like, my house plant and that plant planted in the ground in this environment was just so drastic to me. And I don't know, like, I don't know where that story was going, but it was just, it gave me a moment to think, like, you know, if we stopped putting pressure on ourselves or, you know, let our environment constrain us like how beautiful we can become yeah i like Ooh, that snaps, snaps. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is very true i almost feel when i see plants in their environment like that and they're just so huge and big and beautiful i almost think like what can i do in my house to like mimic this probably nothing but <laughs> but like they're just <laughs> so incredible and i'm just like am i failing 
what am I doing wrong? But it's like, I don't live in a rainforest and I never will. So <laughs> I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's a great reminder that like plants do belong in nature first and foremost. And it's super important that we're not <laughs> supporting poaching and things like that, like so that those plants can continue to live in their native environment. And yeah, that's a whole nother conversation about endangered plants. But yeah. yeah, I think it just we when we see them in their conservatories and see what they could be, it just like makes you want to make sure that they never go extinct and that that is always a possibility. It is. It's definitely yeah. a relevant topic. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much for joining us in another episode of Potted Together. We look forward to seeing you in our next episode. Don't forget to be sure to follow us on Instagram at Potted Together. You can also follow us on YouTube, Potted Together, where we plan on doing some collabs in the future, in the near future, which I'm excited about. If you follow us over on Instagram, we will probably announce when and if we put up a collab video on that YouTube channel. So be sure to head over there and give us a follow. If you feel so inclined and you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a review. We've heard that reviews really help podcasts get pushed into the right people's ears. So make sure that if you love this podcast, you let us know with a five-star review. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. And we cannot wait to talk to you next week. Bye. <laughs> so awkward. Bye. 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 <laughs> you know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.